0: This is Rated R, Real Estate Uncensored, hosted by Derek Anthony, right here in the great state of Texas. What's up, y'all? Bringing the best folks in the biz with some great energy, knowledge, and special guests. And maybe, yes, maybe, even a few surprises. Featuring Derek's dimes, Mia's street beats, my favorite things, and many more unscripted segments for your pleasure. This program is affiliated with the Woodmont Company, a national commercial real estate company based in downtown Fort Worth, covering the entire United States for all your commercial real estate needs. From brokerage development and property management, including tenant rep, leasing, buy and sell, and all types of asset classes, retail, restaurant, food and beverage, office, medical, flex, industrial be sure to check them out at woodmont.com for all the latest listings and information about the woodmont company be sure to subscribe to our show and check out our site thepodcaststudio.net welcome in y'all now let's do this here's your host Derek Anthony what is up? It's May already. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for listening. This is Derek Anthony. This is Rated R, Real Estate Uncensored. A lot of things going on in the world, and it uh, seems like real estate is still kicking it, and we're happy with some special guests that we'll introduce here in a minute. Mia, what is up?
1: Hello, Derek. How are you?
0: Good. What have you been doing lately? Anything fun?
1: No, absolutely not. Just busy with work, Yeah, as always.
0: Yeah, it's pretty busy right now in Texas and across the country. We're excited about this concept that you're going to learn more about today, even including us as well. Uh, based out of South Carolina, they got a new operator out of Chandler, Arizona. And uh, they, they're spinning a little bit a bit differently of what we call eatery entertainments uh, via social houses, if you will. There's been a lot that has opened up in the last 10 years and um, I, I think these 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 folks aren't a Me Too. It's, it seems a, an interesting concept, which which we'll get into. And two things from my past that I did quite well is billiards and bowling. And so uh, the concept is called Eight Ten Billiards and Bowling. And we have with us the president Mike and one of their newest operators, Punam. Did I say that right, Mia? I, ask her. <laughs> Welcome, guys. What's up? Hey, thanks for having us on. Nice to be with you. Yeah, so we have we have one on cell phone and one on Zoom, so hopefully it won't be too pixelated. But we're excited to to kind of kick this off. So, Mike, kind of tell us a, a kind of a fifty thousand foot level of kind of how you uh, became where you're at today, and maybe a, a brief resume on yourself.
2: Uh, sure, and kind of give you a little bit of our backstory uh, as far as myself personally. I graduated from Lehigh University uh, with a business economics degree. Uh, got into finance, uh, got my CFA, and uh, was working in financial sales. Uh, moved over into trading as an equity options market maker for a small proprietary group called Group One Trading. Uh, spent uh, basically the rest of my twenties uh, trading with that shop, and that had me in Chicago and New York, uh, kind of a few years uh, in each city, and. While I was working there, we always loved uh, some of the what were then newer uh, upscale entertainment bowling concepts, uh, Brooklyn Bowl or pinstripes, um, and always had a great time at them. Uh, Then I got a little older, was getting ready to settle down with uh, my wife and start a family. Uh, So we were looking to get out of the city, uh, was looking at uh, some other opportunities, and was actually on vacation down in uh, Myrtle Beach. Is what? brings many people down here, golf, mm-hmm. and vacation, and beach. Uh, I was visiting my folks who had just uh, retired down here in 2013. Uh, and during the visit, I came across the North Myrtle Beach Bowling Center, uh, which was in pretty bad state of disrepair. And I uh, started wondering, you know, why couldn't a concept uh, like what I had enjoyed in Chicago and New York uh, be viable in a smaller market like Myrtle Beach? Uh, maybe we can get this uh, ball and alley and convert it to a concept like that. And um, actually put an offer in that was uh, quickly turned down. And my wife and I moved on with uh, what we thought was going to be the rest of our lives. I took a job upstate uh, as a portfolio manager for, for an asset management firm up there. Uh, and then actually, as we were driving up there late summer, 14, to uh, look at uh, some houses, we got a call out of the blue from that bowling alley owner saying they changed their mind. Uh, would we, you know, still consider purchasing the center? Um, uh, so, you know, one of those fork in the road of life moments with my wife, we look at each other and decide to go for it. Uh, kind of turn around from Rochester Hightail down to South Carolina and, uh, and purchase that that center at the end of 2014. Uh, and that's kind of when the the story began, um, we'll try and summarize the six years since then a little, more quickly. Uh, but we uh, took over that uh, first center, the end very end of 14, closed immediately, did a, a gut renovation, totally revamped the concept and reopened uh, in May of 15. Uh, you know, really focused on the entertainment aspect of the business, casual dining, uh, high quality food and beverage offerings, uh, and a lot more to do inside the space than just uh, bowling, we removed some lanes, created a back alley, private space, uh, added a bunch of other, uh, entertainment options, billiards, tables, bocce courts, small arcade, um, darts and cornhole, uh, and, and built out, kind of our sports bar concept in our dining and bar area. Um, yeah, spent the next year, so kind of so tweaking and, happening. uh, you know, fiddling with the model, getting it to where we were, we were happy with it to scale, uh, went out to look for a second location. And kind of simultaneously purchased uh, some land out in Conway that we built uh, our, our ground up center there, and at the same time uh, got in touch with a landlord down in Myrtle Beach in Market Common uh, who had a supermarket that had become available, uh, and so we took over that space as well, and uh, we're building both of that out, both of those out through uh, seventeen and well, the ground up construction was a much longer project, so that started in seventeen. Uh, the, the supermarket we took over in, uh, late, uh, yeah, late eight, late 17 and actually started construction early 18. So that store ended up opening as our second location, June of 18. Uh, and the ground up construction was, was wrapping up. So that third store, uh, opened in early 19. Uh, and you know, earlier in the process, we had talked about franchising, but didn't feel like we were quite. Uh, there yet as an organization and, and uh, had to scale a little bit on our own first and and get that process uh, straightened out after we had our third store launch successfully we, we felt ready to kind of lean into that franchising uh, growth avenue and started uh, you know doing the the kind of back office work to get that stuff going uh, started marketing our franchise availability uh, towards uh, the end of nineteen. When um Poonam and her husband Ronak uh found us and uh and they actually came on board as our first franchisees way back uh in late nineteen. Uh did the real estate search out in Arizona and found some great opportunities. Uh, and we, we got a great lease in place. And we signed it, of course, right before the world hit Skids. Uh and then we spent most of March through September just trying to kind of keep the deal alive, keep uh, keep everybody on board and uh, you know obviously our landlord had, uh, was dealing with all kinds of headwinds as all of them were um, this past year so there was um, you know that that took some doing but uh, we kept it on the tracks and eventually got construction going this past fall and are finally getting ready to open that store uh, in Chandler uh, and then we have a, a corporate location downtown Phoenix that should be opening a couple weeks after uh, Poonam's store opens in Chandler and another corporate location opening in Houston, downtown, uh, a little close to your neck of the woods there, Derek. Yeah. Um, and that should be opening uh, probably mid-summer, it looks like. Uh, and then on the franchise side, we've got uh, so far three three groups um, after Poonam and Ronak that have uh, signed up to join us. And we're at varying stages of development for um, for locations with them in uh, Arkansas, Greenville, South Carolina, and the Philadelphia market. Um respectively. So that's kind of the, uh, the six-year recap.
0: That, that was amazing. Wasn't it Mia? Absolutely. When's Very the last impressive. time you were bowling Mia?
1: Um, I wouldn't say anytime soon <laughs> recently, but definitely, definitely fun. I love to bowl.
0: P- Poonam, are you still there or are you still with us? I am. So let's get your perspective. One, um, so happy you're still hanging in. Obviously, like Mike said, there were so many reasons for an operator, to say, no, I'm out too much. Uh, we we do a lot of tenant rep stuff and we do a lot of landlord representation. Mm-hmm. And, and the goal was to, to, to try to keep everybody at least on the fence and let's talk through it. So um, one kind of big picture, what, what kind of got you excited about the concept in general? And then two, it sounds like obviously Mike is... Uh, an avid uh, franchisor and owner of the company to help assist and and drive, given the proof of concept has has worked. It's been out there for four or five years. Uh, so I'll turn the table over to you. Uh, so, Gunna, fill us in on your side of the story.
3: So, um, so a little background. I'm an, I'm a nurse. My husband, Aronic, is a pharmacist. Uh, we owned pharmacies in Chicago. That's where we moved from. So we moved to Arizona in July. We had pharmacies that we were running that we owned and operated in Chicago. Um, we got a good opportunity a couple of years ago to offload them. So we took that opportunity and we always wanted to move to Arizona. Our kids are young enough. So we decided to take that leap and sell off the pharmacies and make our move. So as we did that, um, we sold a couple years ago and then we had a good, a good year of downtime where we just caught up on life and, and on our kids um and then started getting ulster crazy and wanted to look into doing something else and that's where looking into franchising kind of came into play where we started doing some research and we researched um up down inside and out we we called a lot of companies we were actually very close to uh honing in on a preschool concept when uh rona came to me and said hey i talked to somebody his name is mike he has this bullying concept. I found it really interesting, and I flat out refused and said, no, I'm, I'm. my heart is in the preschool now. No more changes. And he said, just talk to him one time, and then we'll go with your God. And I talked to Mike one time, and the rest is history, obviously. So that's kind of how we fell into, fell into 810. And um, since then, yes, there have been a lot of ups and downs with COVID and everything that came along with it, but... Um, it's not.
0: It's not uh, <laughs> We're getting a bad sell. Are you still driving? That we there you
3: go. Been- I am. You, can you hear me?
0: It's better now. Go ahead. Repeat about the last 30 seconds you just said.
3: <laughs> okay. So um, I said, so we fell into 810 um, looking for other franchises. And then, um, with COVID and everything that it brought, we faced a lot of challenges, but Mike held us through everything. Um, and I think that was, that was a big part of why we really liked what Mike had to offer too, is that, um, we were one of the first franchises. We didn't know anything outside of Healthcare, and he was willing to give us the support we needed, and he's lived up to it. We've had no issues. So, so when you did your Chandler, kind of how we landed yeah. where we're at.
0: When you did your Chandler deal, so you're the um, the tenant of record, and was the landlord, um, you know, flexible?
3: Yeah, I mean, we we had some back and forth, but yeah, they were flexible. They've been great. They've been working with us. COVID happened right as we were working on. Um, working with the landlord and on the lease so um we had some hiccups along the way but nothing that couldn't be worked out so it delayed the process but it didn't it didn't stall it i mean it didn't stop it
0: yeah so what's the what's the ultimate uh is there a, an opening date yet set you're cutting are you there
1: awesome uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, you, you're Are in you, a bad cell. Okay. The try again.
1: Are
3: you hearing me?
0: That's better. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm getting closer to a better spot. Okay. Um, opening wise, we're looking about two to three weeks out, hopefully subject to change depending on how construction um, goes, but um, we're getting close.
0: Awesome.
1: Just in time for summer. That's right. Just in time for summer, yes, when, especially out here. When in it's Arizona. 120
0: degrees every day. Yeah, and
1: everyone wants to be inside. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so, Mike, tell me, you know, just a quick, uh, kind of funny story about my background. I, uh, my mom and dad still have the same Brunswick pool table in the basement, and the bumpers come out. It was from 1920, and still works pretty well. And uh, my dad's actually in the bowling hall of fame. He used to bowl. Uh, in St. Louis of all places where the hall of fame used to be. And now it's in Arlington, Texas. And I bowled as a kid quite a bit. And he's in the hall because I think he's got like 32, uh, 300 games or something to that effect. But I feel like bowling is, uh, I hope it's coming back. I know TVs try to reinvent it and and market it a little bit different. So tell me a little bit about how maybe you vet sites and is there certain pockets in the country where, you know, you have more bowlers than others, or how do you kind of pick the trade areas?
2: Yeah. I mean, a couple things there, uh, you you know, first on kind of the industry at large and and the trends in bowling, um, you know, certainly respect for your your dad there. That's no easy feat. (laughs) Um, everyone thinks that I'm like a good bowler and that's why I got in this business and it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I'm a decent pool player and I'm definitely a decent drinker, but I'm a terrible bowler.
0: There you go. Um, yeah. Sounds like a country song right there. Uh, kind of
2: why I always love these concepts. <laughs> so, um, so I, I don't really know if kind of that league bowling traditional uh, sense is coming back, uh, but that's not really where uh, we've ever focused our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're oriented towards uh you know, casual customer entertainment, uh, young adults, families, social gatherings and groups, um, you know, and really we're, we're more a restaurant and bar, uh, that has a ton to offer, uh, as opposed to maybe what people associate with a traditional bowling alley. Um, but, uh, as far as the, you know, real estate search goes, um, you know, we're, to, well, since we are real estate focused here in this discussion, this might might be of interest, but uh, and so when we did our first store, I mentioned that I was taking over an existing traditional uh, center and it was a 32-league lane center. So we had pulled out 12 lanes uh, to move over to our concept and you know learned a lot from that experience. And, and then my initial hypothesis was that with all of these uh, failing traditional centers across the country as league bowling dwindled, uh, maybe this was the right opportunity to kind of go around and convert traditional centers into a more modern concept, uh, till I tried to do it and then realized that there's a couple of drawbacks there, uh, for, for one, uh, you know, this traditional lane centers, the lanes are built, uh, kind of like 40 or 60 lanes in, in one run. And. Turns out the subframes and infrastructure are pretty uh, intertwined. Uh, so just pulling out lanes from the middle caused uh, a bit of a challenge and uh, some surprises. And uh, and that's the other big thing overall is just when you go into these renovations or second generation properties, there's just no predictability around what you're going to run into right. when you start <laughs> opening things up and have to bring everything back up to code. Um, so kind of after doing that that first one, um so that was a good kind of construction reasons that i went away uh, towards doing either upfits or new construction um and uh, you know that has certainly been the, the better avenue but the other kind of uh, operational business reason is if you think about those traditional league centers that have been around for so long uh you know when your customer is a league bowler and you need 40 plus lanes in order to be viable for for that kind of business Uh, your destination establishment, right? Your league bowlers are going to come find you wherever you are, and you got to build a huge amount of square footage out. So what is very common among those traditional centers is that they're in less than desirable uh, locations kind of uh, off the beaten track a little bit because they're able to get cheaper dirt, and they throw up a huge aluminum building and and get their lanes in there, and it doesn't need to be pretty or high-trafficked. So we go kind of the the opposite direction from that where we're after high traffic, uh, retail and, and um, you know, destination centers with other anchor tenants. Um, And uh, because we're after the entertainment uh, customer, we want to be near your theaters, your other dining. And uh, we don't want to kind of be off on our own as uh, as a destination when we we don't do leagues. Um, So that kind of desire uh, for class a retail we will say, um, combined with the fact that we, we've uh, found a pretty good niche uh, in terms of our footprint in the current retail environment, that these mid-sized players, um, you know, in that kind of twenty to thirty thousand foot box, uh, there's a ton of inventory there because it was mostly y- your typical um, retail, whether it's kind of the office maxes or staples of the world, or yeah, uh, you know, a DSW or a discount um, re- uh, discount apparel uh unit. Um so there's a ton of inventory in that size space and there's not a lot of uh viable uh large footprint tenants that are in the entertainment space or not at least not in retail. So landlords seem to be appreciating the value of getting an in- entertainment concept into their center for the long term.
0: I think my well oh, he's pixelating so I'm gonna comment. I can you-
2: <laughs> <laughs> the pool is shrinking um so that's gotten them to kind of commit to helping us out on the build-out costs up front. And, uh, and you know, TI has been a, a major contributor to, um, to you know, getting some of these franchise units through the, the process. Yeah, that's, that's where
0: I was going on the TI number, given that it's such a unique specialty use, one. And then, two, financing lenders are just so inundated now that PVP is still going on almost over but um you know if you if you have hospitality forget it and and any entertainment i'm i'm, I'm assuming it's probably difficult or do you guys help these franchisees with that as well
2: uh meaning on the financing piece yeah or, mm-hmm. yeah so that that's definitely been the biggest challenge with us getting into the franchise uh avenue because you know as much as our competitors in the industry are, are very successful and have been around for 10 plus years. Um, they're all privately held and, um, you know, and they generally buy and build and do, a, you know, they operate under very different economics and, uh, you know, a franchise structure with individual investors. Um, so finding kind of a viable, uh, lending solutions has been a big part of, uh, what we've, uh, you know, needed to solve to, to make this doable for people. Um, and it, it's definitely been the hardest part, uh, but we've had some success and now, um, you know, as we're growing and we're starting to develop some banking relationships, where they've they've gotten us through a deal or two, uh, and their bank likes it, and we're able to to show them new franchisees. Um, but as far as doing anything internally, no, we're not, we're not there yet, but, um, but we do now have some, some good third-party options. Is
0: your, is your trade areas, the kind of the original, uh, part of my seven questions that I answer are asked in one breath, but, uh, how do you guys pinpoint the markets? Uh, is it, is it operator driven meeting your Houston? Some, somebody said, Hey, I want to be part of it. And, or if somebody finds you on the internet, or do you have a business development team that, that reaches out and, and how do you vet these operators?
2: Yeah. I mean, so, because, you know, one of the, I think the, the financing and the investment size is is kind of the biggest challenge relative to, you know, getting into the franchise space. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. What, what no, was that question? Yeah.
0: Just uh, how do you, how do you vet trade areas? So do you want a store in LA? Do you uh, want yes. a store in New York? I mean, do you want a store in Tampa Bay?
2: Right. So, so while the cost is the downside that the, the upside is that our concept's universal, um, you know, we, we work in mid-sized markets anywhere and entertainment is in demand, you know, wherever you go, right? We're not a regional franchise based on some local uh, kind of cuisine or something that's very specific. So uh, we can be uh, confident in our success in, in any market that kind of meets our, our minimum demographics. Uh, so we haven't been too picky about uh, specific regions or trying to really take a geographic approach to development. We've more taken a person, you know, personnel approach, wherever a good candidate is that's interested. Um, you, you know, if the market is viable, then, uh, then that's where we'll go next. Um, And that's that also what also helps us do that is that basically we have a limited supply chain and all of those vendors are national. Um, So that allows us to to ensure a consistent product, even if we're going kind of out of our backyard uh, in some of the the
0: early locations. And one of the things, too, that we see in operators, no matter what the usage or type of food or beverage or Uh, entertainment that's offered is, is the culture and the, the training and, and, uh, trickle down, if you will, from, um, franchisee owners to the staff and, and, and conversely on a second question, uh, we hear all the time that labor is still a major problem, uh, with getting people to work, um, kind of comment on both of those, please. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, philosophy, management philosophy for, for me is pretty simple. Um. You know i uh, i kind of tell my guys when i bring someone new on that you know i'm, I'm an economist by education a, a risk manager by profession but as far as a manager and management philosophy goes that's 100 percent from my dad uh, who was in corporate management for his whole career and it comes down to a really simple idea that you know it doesn't matter what business you're in and every business is about people and if you're taking care of the people in your business, uh, most of the other things are going to work themselves out. So uh, that that's pretty much the the guiding light that uh, the North star that uh, I make decisions by. Um, so, you know, as long as our franchisees are happy with the support we're giving them, our employees are happy with the support they're getting. Then I know our customers are going to be happy with the experience they get when they walk in the building. So, um, you know, kind of, lead, lead with people and, uh, and the rest follows.
0: And I would guess too, maybe nationwide, uh, we, me and Mia were talking about when's the last time we have seen a, a bowling, a bowling alley be built from scratch and there's really not too many. So, um, maybe I'm just thinking out loud that, uh, there might be some that go dark because of COVID and maybe there's a way that you all could pick up an asset for, for fairly inexpensive, assuming you want to be there. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, well, actually, that's kind of uh, exactly what happened uh, for the corporate stores that are being developed right now was uh, Phoenix and Houston. Those are second-generation locations from uh, that used to be Lucky Strikes. Uh, and obviously, COVID, uh, with their downtown locations, presented in a special, especially large hurdle. Um, so those, those went back to ownership, and um, and we were able to, to come in, and uh, we're in the process of renovating them now. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that, that's pretty much uh,
0: exactly what, what led to those opportunities. Poonam, are you still with us? Are you okay?
3: Hey, yes, I'm here.
0: Are you driving in the mountains?
3: I was, I just <laughs> I just got home. We, we don't have
0: mountains in Texas.
3: No, it's beautiful out here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so how long, If I, I know you moved from Chicago, but how long ago was that?
3: Uh, we moved to, uh, to Arizona in July of last year.
0: That's right, okay. So you got one summer under your belt.
3: Yes. Yes. The one that was 120 degrees. That's the one that we got under our belt.
0: But the winter time I bet was gorgeous and, and enjoyable. It was. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes. That's it was awesome. beyond any winter we've ever experienced in what, Chicago for sure.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I, from a, just a psyche and, and just from a risk tolerable standpoint, <laughs> it's really amazing that you and your husband, you know, it's like, Hey, we're done. We want to sell out. We want to do something different. And there's so many people I always tell like, 99% of us will never have the guts to do that. And I applaud that. And I wish you the best to, to success in, in launching. And uh, we actually, me and I work with another operator. I don't know if you've ever eaten or heard of uh, Lone Spur Cafe. They're, they have four or five stores in Arizona, Scottsdale, uh, Durango, and a few others. Um, so we may get a chance to get out there to Arizona sometime soon. So me and I will have to put on those bowling shoes and get absolutely. after
3: it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Looking forward, to
0: to, looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I'm assuming the name 810 is for the 810 split.
3: Uh,
2: actually, notes for uh, eight ball billiards and 10 pin bowling.
0: Ah, see? Um, I,
2: so when you get that graphical logo in front of you, it kind of <laughs> plays that way. There's a, <laughs> an eight ball in the eight, and the, the one's a bowling pin. So, Got uh, it. Yeah.
0: Got yeah. it. Well, um, anything else that uh, if, if I'm a franchisee or a listener that uh, would like to, to buy in on the concept, where can they find you all?
2: Uh, absolutely a10 uh, bowling.com. There's uh, a bunch of information on our brand and uh, existing locations there and there's a, uh, an inquiry form page uh, where they can uh, just submit some basic uh, info for outreach and, uh, and our franchise development head will uh, will contact them, get them you know marketing decks and, uh, and all the information they need to, to move forward with their decision making and uh, you know, and then take it from there.
0: So the Houston is the closest to us. Uh, what's the ETA for that? Is that sometime fall?
2: Uh, we're, so that one's a bit of a question mark. I was thinking July, but uh, because of the the ownership um, situation, it looks like that's probably going to take another three or four weeks to really get buttoned up. So uh, probably comfortably saying, you know, late July, early August, something like that.
0: Awesome. Well, this is Mike and we have Poonam on the phone as well. A, a new owner of the franchise there. And if you're in Arizona, make sure you go check them out or I'll, of course go to their website. One thing we like to do on the last uh, segment is called my favorite thing. So I'm going to say something and then there's no right or wrong answer. And you're going to have to give me your answer of what your favorite thing is. So we'll start with Mike. What is your favorite property in the world? Maybe something that you had visited on vacation or you went with your family um, or it could be somewhere local
2: well i guess it's a little recency bias but uh but managed to sneak off with my wife to the ritz carlton in mexico and cancun for uh a couple days uh, a few weeks ago and we love that property so were you quarantined <laughs> <laughs>
0: were
2: you quarantined <laughs> uh well yes yeah, was we weren't uh we weren't quarantined but, but we did need uh there was very any, They had a whole testing set up in the hotel, so you just kind of, you, go. you got there, you tested, and you were safe to board your flight home. Poonam, what
0: about you?
3: Um, I'd have to say my favorite is in Mauritius. Um, I can't remember the name of it, um, but I'll give you my second favorite. It's in Maui, and it's called Grand Wailea.
0: Yes, Maui is beautiful. How about uh, Mike how about your favorite concept it cannot be your own but something that may have you seen may have seen that you like or wish you would have thought of
2: Oh uh, actually that's an easy one I think uh that's got to be top golf oh, I, mean, I knew he was going to say well, you that We
0: get that all the time actually
2: I mean, and I agree with you <laughs> whoever came up with that software they uh they deserve it cuz it's brilliant
0: Yeah <laughs> they're you know they're based here and they just got bought by uh Callaway.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Callaway owns them now. Uh, how about you, Poonam?
3: Um, I'm a foodie, so I'm going to say the perch, uh, which is something we just di- discovered here in Arizona. Um, it's a place where you can dine and there are birds flying everywhere. Oh, my daughter would shoulders. be scared. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> my kids love it.
0: <laughs> your, Mike, your favorite city in the world that, to visit, um, I guess it might have been Mexico, but not sure. How about How about your favorite city? Um,
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Tuscany. Oh, yes. Or if you need a city, I'll go Florence there.
0: Okay. Punam. your favorite city, ma'am. Are you there?
3: Sorry, (laughs) yep, I lost you there for a second, sorry. Oh, that's, that's really tough. Um, I'm trying to think where our last vacation was to. I think the last place we visited was Dubai.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Wow.
3: Yeah, it was beautiful. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to go with that.
0: Mike, your favorite restaurant.
2: Mm-hmm. I think i go with M wells up in New York. Yeah, Steakhouse does a lot of big flame open fire Love large it. pieces of meat. We
0: got a lot of meat in Texas.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: How about Punam, well, how about your favorite restaurant?
3: Um, Hidden House here in Chandler. Um it's, a, it's, a, it's literally hidden. It's hard to find, but um, they have a beautiful, beautiful um, patio. It's a, it's a concept where there's, you enter, and there's a patio, and then there's a building, and then there's another patio, and then there's another building. Huh. So it's indoor-outdoor, indoor-outdoor mix, um, and their food is really good, and their drinks are amazing.
0: Well, I'm going to start with Poonam on this one. Speaking of drinks, what is your favorite drink?
3: Oh gosh. Um
0: so on a Friday night you're you're just spent, the kids are driving you crazy, and you sit down and you have a what?
3: I will have a mojito. Oh yeah. Solid choice.
0: How about you, Mike? Well that's an easy one for me. I'm a Scotch guy. Okay. Uh Punam, your favorite person. It could be dead or alive, famous or not, someone you know or not know. <laughs>
3: Ooh, that's, um, that's a hard question cause I have kids, so I'm not allowed to pick anyone else. So oh, come on.
0: <laughs> you can't pick your kids. If you pick one, then the other one might be upset. Yeah. So
3: can I pick both of them?
0: Sure. We'll, we'll give you a, a hall pass on that one. There you go. Mike.
2: Um, well, I hope my kids aren't too mad at me for it and maybe a bit of a cliche answer as well, but, uh, I think, I think I can go with Elon.
0: Ah, Yes. All right. Favorite favorite music artist, Mike.
2: Oh, I'm a Long Island kid growing up in the 90s, so I'm, uh, I'll go with Modest Mouse on that one. Oh,
0: I thought you were going to say Billy Joel. Was he from New Jersey? Ooh, or,
3: I, I, I do like
2: some no. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, he's a Long Island. Uh, That's what I thought. Island, yeah.
0: yeah. How about you, Poonam?
3: Um, I am going to go with um, actually an Indian um, musician. Um, he, I'm not sure if you got a chance to, um, check out Slumdog Millionaire. Yes. But he did the music for that. Um nice. And his, his indie music is, is really commendable.
0: I Me mean, you should Spotify that tonight.
1: Yeah. What's his name? Oh, you know. uh, what is his name? It's not his, his it up. His name? A- A.R. Rahman. Okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And your favorite food, Poonam. What is your go-to comfort food that you love?
3: um go to comfort food well it's really boring it's fries that's I've <laughs> had a,
0: that's no had choice any uh, yeah.
3: kind of a any kind of a day or if i need comfort i go mm-hmm. to fries but i am a foodie and i love all kinds of food
0: awesome how about you mike
2: well yeah you know, as i said a long island guy and i'm also uh half jewish and half italian so i've uh i've heard pizza bagel and uh whether that's uh built in or not, those are definitely pizza and bagels. If I'm, uh, if I had one too many scotches the night before, that's what I'm craving.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, What about your favorite automobile, Poonam? This is the last one.
3: Oh, I love this question. I just got to test drive um, the Tesla. So, and I'm actually thinking of trading my car in for one of those. Um, And it's, it's of course it's the car, but it's the guy behind the car too.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It's definitely a a cool automobile. How about you, Mike? I've always had a soft spot for the Ford GT. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you so much, both of you for taking time out of your schedule. This is Mike and Poonam from 810 Billiards & Bowling. Check them out. If you're interested in uh, bucking up on a a franchise storefront, contact Mike. You can go to their website for all the details and the contact information. Y'all have a a great success in this launch. And if you ever need anything in Texas, just give us a holler. But uh, thank you so much for your time.
2: Will do. Thanks so much for having us, guys. We appreciate it. All right. See y'all. Bye.
0: All right. Well, we had some uh, little technical difficulties, but we made it through. We did. Mia.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: What a! I lo, I love this kind of discu- discussion because it's just like on the cusp of just the starting point, like the incubation period. I mean, yes, they have a concept. Yes, they're open, but they're only four or five stores and in right. bo- and bowling and billiards. I, I mean, you're younger than me, but I don't know what a if twenty two year olds and thirty year olds go out and do this, and, and instead of going to like a a typical social house where it has bocce ball and shuffleboard and darts and more of a big outdoor I think people want to be outdoors so I hope it works I think I think Mike's got a good head on his shoulders seems like he's pretty financially driven what are your thoughts on the concept
1: I think it's a great concept I definitely think that people are kind of looking for um those concepts where you it's not just one thing that you're doing not just bowling or not just pool um sometimes you get a little bored of it so why not go somewhere where they have it all
0: yeah okay all right well what you got working anything exciting Mia's Meats. Uh, meats. <laughs> Mia's Meats. Mia Meats. Mia Beats.
1: So I was reading, I've read a couple of articles today that are talking about, obviously not a lot of people are coming back uh, to work in the office. So I've been reading some things. What will they do with the office spaces? And um, I saw a couple of things that were saying that they that they were going to convert these office spaces into three categories. So office to housing, um, hotels to housing and hotels turning into office. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. I was always kind of wondering what were they going to do with these empty spaces? I mean, are they going to try to lease them out, which is always a viable option as well. But clearly there are better things to be doing with that open space. So especially in cities like Dallas, um, where a lot of people are moving or Austin, um, there's a need for more space for all of those people. So I think it's a good idea to convert all those office space. Um, I heard it's a little expensive though, having to convert the office space because you have to add courtyards and all of the, you know, the things that come with apartment right. buildings, but yeah. for sure. But well, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, something's going to have to happen. Otherwise we're just going to have these undeveloped areas if they're not repurposed properly. Right. So,
1: and at least in the inner city, all those office buildings, it, it'll be very convenient for the people who are living there. Not too sure about the suburbs um, and those office spaces, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I also kind of wanted to give a little shout out. I recently tried this new fast casual concept called Kava. Have you heard of them? I have heard of them. Okay. So I just tried them in Dallas. Um, it's basically a Mediterranean Chipotle. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are moving towards the healthier option. I myself am trying to do the same Um, I thought it was really good, and then, of course, a few days later, I saw an article. Oh, I thought you were going to say you got sick. No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. No. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um. A few days later, I saw an article that they received 190 million dollars in funding.
0: Well, it's because Chipotle is just kicking it. So
1: they're not Chipotle. I
0: know, but it's the copycat of Chipotle on the concept.
1: Same but different. Yeah. Is
0: the is the menu as simple as Chipotle, where you got like four choices? No.
1: The menu is very complex. I have to say, like Chipotle, you have the now you have the third option of the cauliflower rice, but at this place you have the option of Lentils, beans, and all kinds of. That could of, be a problem. Yeah, it's but I but you know I like it because there was more options. Um, and what did
0: you spend? Twelve bucks. Ten. Okay.
1: So not too bad, not too bad. I mean, that's about what I would probably pay at Chipotle because I get steak anyways. Are they franchised? They are not sure actually. The article that I was reading though was saying now that they're now they're valued at 1.3 billion which i thought was pretty impressive and i guess they actually acquired zoe's kitchen i think oh. in 2018 obviously similar similar concepts as well um but i was reading that they're planning on converting 50 zoe's kitchens so i don't know if you know i don't know maybe zoe's kitchens are doing that well or Kava's just kind of the new uh you know, and Zoes considered
0: Mediterranean too?
1: Yes, it is Mediterranean, but yeah. it's not, you know, they're still different. Um, and so then I was also reading that in 2020 they had 105 units and their sales growth was 4.5% and in 2021 they plan to grow 60% and in 2025 they want to have over 500 stores.
0: Wow. Yeah, they could be the next Chipotle.
1: Oh, most definitely. Um, I know they only had two here in DFW, and I think we're now up to four or five now in the past three months. So, thought I would just give a little shout out to the viewer or to Kava and, you know, have the viewers go and try it. So, that's all I've got for today.
0: Well, I just looked up the word Kava. And what it, does it mean? Digging.
1: I don't digging? really know why. Maybe it means dig into the food.
0: Dig in. <laughs> Well, thank you, Mia. That was uh Mia's street beats. Ha <laughs> Yes, indeed. Wow, that was tight. All right. Derek's dimes here, top ten top ten things that I've witnessed this week. I'm gonna go all over the board here. Mia, have you heard that folks that have not been vaccinated, they wanna get paid. You heard this? I have not. Yeah, so people are saying, Yeah, I'll take I'll get the shot if you pay me.
1: Oh, do you uh, think that's right? Um, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if they want it. It would be different. Come on, if, you got to
0: have an opinion on this show, Mia. Come on.
1: Well, it would be different if there were if a company was giving them an incentive, like Woodmont was saying, "Hey, get the vaccine." Well, like warehouse
0: workers, like Amazon, right? Yeah, because they're there around touching everything and blah blah
1: blah. Right. So, so is that what you're saying? An incentive from their company?
0: Yeah, they're either either the, the government? Gov- either the government or their company, uh, where the company would would be reimbursed could, by the government to yeah. pay for the employee. I
1: guess I could see it from the company standpoint you want- But if
0: it's free, it's yeah. just kind of taking advantage of the situation. I agree. So I
1: agree. Number two, 1031
0: exchanges for any of those that follow real estate. This is a basically a tax shelter that's been in place for a long, long time and if you buy one property you sell it you can you can basically declare 1031 and and then but you do have to buy an, another property at equal or more value um and that tax and that profit is not taxed and it carries over and over and over until that person dies basically and then either the the um the beneficiaries have to pay it or or they are assigned to their 10 to 31 exchange. What I'm getting at is, and I don't like to talk a lot about politics, but Biden's trying to get rid of this. Um, so if you'd like to support uh, of not getting rid of it, meaning keeping it, then uh, contact your government and your your governor and your senators and your representatives, because this is like a $90 billion uh, deal uh, a year and it's gonna kind of hamper the commercial real estate business. Number three, I just read an article, luxury travelers pushing hotel rates past pre-COVID rates. So um, all these people making good money in the stock market, they want to get out and travel. And it seems at least a luxury market of I'll call it 250 bucks a night or higher are actually higher than they were um, during um, our pre-COVID, which is surprising to me. Some of us who follow the news and if you're sleeping under a rock, then I'm not sure why you're listening to this, but <laughs> um, lumber prices, if you've just kind of bullet point it, a uh, typical one thousand foot of lumber was two hundred to four hundred dollars. Now it's a thousand to thirteen hundred. So that's you know three x three times more. So on a typical single family on the on the lumber cost was ten thousand dollars. Now it's forty thousand dollars. So that's even going to bring down the supply even less and less for people trying to buy a house or looking for a home. So Mia mentioned Chipotle, well that's something funny, that's on my number 5 for my top 10 Derek's Dimes. Chipotle just announced they're going to give you an incentive to test your IQ and if you sign up for this you're going to get a buy one get one free and also a chance to win a $500 gift card for Cinco de Mayo. That's not incentive enough. Which is in two days? two days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, this is taped so not live but sort of live. Um, number six, the in-person experience is still a human need. What does that mean? What happened to virtual worlds? Remember when like these virtual goggles came out and everybody's going to change and you're going to sit at home and you're going to go to Australia and go hiking on the mountains. And I don't know where that's at. Do you guys do virtual on the younger? I've never done it. Yeah. It seems really, uh, overhyped. Yeah. Yeah. People want to socialize. People want to see each other and drink and have a social time with each other. The experience. Um, things this I don't know this crossed my mind like things you buy online and things you don't meaning like as simple as it says like what do you like for now on do you do you like as a woman do you buy do you buy shoes online do you buy you don't buy perfume online unless you know that it smells good yeah makeup online
1: Mm, no there are certain things you have to try and for guys
0: I don't know I think clothes is sort of for me at least I do buy clothes online but I already know my size and I'm kind of boring, but um, electronics, of course, watches, <laughs> furniture. You can't really well, you can. Wayfair's killing it, but mm-hmm. um, anyway, I just it'd be interesting to see if there was any polls out there to if there was like the number one thing that people don't. I'm sure I'm not thinking of it right now, but don't, don't want to buy online. Dogs.
1: You'll <laughs> buy dogs. So, yeah, they
0: do. Yeah. Back on the politics, you know, everybody wants to blame the the, the predecessor, the previous administration. And here's my pitch. okay, for term limits for the presidency, why don't we do in two, four years? I mean, obviously got to get reelected and that's it. Why don't we just do a six term, six year term, one term only can't get reelected. Can't, that way you have time to actually govern because the first two years are trying to blame the, the first guy and the last two years are trying to get elected again.
1: I love how you just said, I don't like to talk politics a lot. <laughs> and then this is the second mention. Okay, that's it.
0: All right. Um, did you hear that Dallas downtown has approved a subway system?
1: I did hear that.
0: Yes. So in about 10 be... years, it'll be done.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. 10 years.
0: You might not be here. You might be. We might be dead by then, but. Not Sorry, me, is it, is I hope. <laughs> I'm too young. So it's going to be underground, a typical right, subway like da- system, or not a, like not, New York. Yeah. Yeah, subway. It's going to be pretty pretty amazing.
1: And it's going to be a lot of construction in addition to the already a lot of construction. Oh, yeah.
0: Because so, uh, totally. there's so much density here. And then right. lastly, did you hear that the Clemson quarterback that got uh, signed by the Jaguars would like his signing bonus to be paid in Bitcoin for $22 million? The long-haired guy? <laughs> the name? Trevor Lawrence. Oh. Yeah. The long-haired country boy. Well, that wraps up the show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This is Derek Anthony and Mia for Rated R Real Estate Uncensored. Please visit visit us at the thepodcaststudio.net. Thepodcaststudio.net. Check the website out. Please share and, and subscribe to all the platforms that you listen to podcasts on. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us.